I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is Psychacks, Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is making men angry at women is a business. And it's a big business on social media platforms like YouTube. So this is something that I think is really important for folks to understand, especially for all the young men out there who are the principal demographic for many of these YouTube channels. Over the past decade, I've subscribed to many of these channels, and I think many of them do many things well. However, almost all of them, to some degree or another, fall into the trap of selectively focusing on some of the most flagrant examples of the nonsense of which women are apparently capable. Much of their content is cherry-picked to be provocative and inflammatory because extreme content is more likely to be clicked, viewed, and shared. Very frankly, it drives growth. This content can kind of feel like anonymously rubbernecking a car crash from the privacy of your own home. It satisfies darker impulses that we all have, which are not socially acceptable to admit. So I'm here to caution guys who watch these channels to take everything that they hear with a grain of salt. There very well may be truth in what these creators are saying, how and extreme examples have the didactic usefulness of providing stark exemplars of phenomenon that may be difficult to observe in other cases, in which they assume less intense forms and are confounded by other variables. However, any truth that you glean should ideally be tested out in the crucible of your own personal experience. And that includes the content on this channel as well. Think it out and see whether what I'm saying may be true. We have teeth in our mouth and not in our stomach because we need to chew on things for a while before we swallow them whole. Society has become increasingly polarized in recent years, and relations between men and women in particular are mistrustful and strained. How did we end up here? The answer is somewhat complicated, as it involves an interdependent system with three main components, the content creators, the content consumers, and the social media algorithms. No one factor is really to blame, so I'm not here to cast dispersions. I just want to help people understand how the thing works. Now, the shift toward polarization is accomplished in large part through operant conditioning, which is what we call using punishments and rewards to influence behavior. The amazing thing about operant conditioning is that it is usually done unconsciously. In many cases, neither party knows that he or she is rewarding or punishing or being rewarded or being punished. And in most cases, contingency management is even more effective when it occurs outside of awareness. Let's start with the content creators. The fact of the matter is that it is very difficult for people not to act in line with, let alone against, their financial best interests. As a consequence, it's fairly unreasonable to expect that people will in fact do so. If more extreme content leads to more clicks, views, and shares, and if more clicks, views, and shares lead to more revenue, then creators are slowly being trained to create more extreme content, whether they're aware of it or not. Take this channel, for instance. I have a few dozen playlists on a whole variety of topics inspired by my clinical practice. I talk about spirituality and consciousness, grief and loss, success and achievement, emotional regulation and mastery, among others. And I can tell you that if I just put the word woman in the title of an episode, that episode will get at least five times as many views as an episode that does not. 
this is a powerful incentive to create more and more videos about women. Now, I'm probably not going to make the channel exclusively about women because I would find that boring. However, many creators end up in a situation where their channels are simply the same one video in hundreds of slightly different permutations. That said, I'm aware of this constant pull to do just that, that I have to actively resist. And it may be easier for me to do so because I don't need the revenue. This channel is something fun that I do in the time when I'm not running my other businesses. Generating some revenue is nice. It allows me to invest more in the channel, but it is nowhere close to replacing the income generated by my private practice. So I might be able to afford to be more intellectually honest and autonomous because I'm not dependent on the revenue generated by the channel or affiliate advertisements. And this isn't just because I'm fairly small. If certain other creators, some of whom may have gotten very, very big, have given up their other revenue streams to focus exclusively on their channels, well, this puts them in a vulnerable position vis-a-vis -vis their livelihood. And again, I'm not blaming these creators because it is very hard for anyone to act against their financial best interests, and everyone needs to make a living. And if that means making money on social media, all the power to them. Speaking of which, before I go any further, if you're liking what you're hearing, please consider sending this video to someone who might benefit from its message. It's word of mouth referrals like this that really help to make the channel grow. You can also hit the super thanks button and tip me in proportion to the value that you feel you have derived from this video. I really appreciate your support. All right, next up is the algorithm. Right out of the gate, we have to appreciate that algorithms are not neutral. In the first place, they will exhibit biases based on the data on which they have been trained. And in many cases, these biases can only be observed across millions or billions of data points, so they are functionally invisible to humans until their operation produces significant downstream consequences. And in the second place, they are business tools that were ultimately created to drive revenue to their parent companies. For instance, the primary goal of YouTube is to keep people on YouTube. That's it. The more people watch, the more opportunities to sell advertisements and the more lucrative those ad spots become. This has to come before everything because if the business isn't solvent, any other goals the company might have can't be met. Traditional media has understood this for centuries. The primary goal of newspapers is not to tell the truth. When that happens, it's a fortunate afterthought. It's to sell more newspapers. And sensational headlines are print media's equivalent of clickbaity titles. Turn on a news broadcast, any of them. Most of what you'll see is sex and death and decontextualized sound bites on controversial issues. This material is designed to stimulate an emotional response so that, bam, they can hit you with an advertising break every eight to 10 minutes. Your emotions make you less rational and therefore more likely to buy whatever it is that they're selling. If you're interested in learning more about this, I would highly encourage you to check out the excellent film Network or read gerrymanders for arguments for the elimination of television. In any case, if people are more likely to engage with sensational provocative content, then the algorithm will promote sensational provocative content. This will encourage people to click, watch, and share, which engagement translates eventually to money in the bank. So that's the algorithm. Last but not least are the content consumers. Let's be real. Creators wouldn't be swayed by the operant contingencies, and the algorithms wouldn't not be promoting sensationalist content 
if you didn't click on it. But just like the proverbial car crash, there seems to be something in human psychology that makes it very difficult not to look. Social media has also not been around for very long, so we're all still kind of learning how to navigate the technology with discipline and moderation. But let me tell you, if you ever complain about the polarization of society, then do your part and don't click on extreme sensational content. Don't watch it and don't share it. Consumers changing their consumption will have significant downstream consequences for both the creators and the algorithm. As I said previously, creators, consumers, and algorithms, they're all kind of in it together. No one component is really responsible for social polarization, but each contributes to it as a consequence of the feedback loops that constitute their interdependence. And with respect to a lot of red-pilled channels, you need to appreciate that men making men angry at women by means of sensational content is a business. And if you buy it wholesale, then you are a customer. What do you think? Does this fit with your own experience? Let me know in the comments below. And if you've gotten this far, you might as well like this episode and subscribe to this channel. You can also consider becoming a channel member with perks like priority review of comments or booking a paid consultation. As usual, thank you for listening.